0: Hi there, and welcome back to The Will and Rob Show. I hope you had a wonderful Easter celebration. If you're like me, you're one of the hundreds of thousands of Christians who logged on to watch Easter service from the safety of their own home. Live streaming church, Zoom Bible studies, and Zoom prayer meetings are becoming part of the norm. And of course, we should be thankful for this amazing technology that lets us connect for the time being. And we should celebrate churches taking creative steps to serve their members. And yet, there are still parts of church life Zoom can't deliver on, like longing for the physical presence of Christian community or joining together at the table of the Lord's Supper. So today, we wanted to talk about some of the things we've seen Christians doing to maintain community during coronavirus. But before we get into all that, Will, how was your Easter weekend?
1: It was It was good. It was really good. I uh, Different, for sure. But... It was it was nice to wake up and have something to be excited about and something to anticipate, even though it was different and there wasn't a church uh, to go to or to gather at to have something to celebrate in this season of shutdown and COVID nineteen. It was it was really nice. It seemed actually like an added treat.
0: Now, do you have any Easter traditions that you normally do? that either had to be changed because of coronavirus or that you just kept doing in spite of coronavirus?
1: Well, no, you know, my cousins who are older than me thought that Easter egg hunting wasn't cool before I did. So that has been out of the picture for like 20 years, which I think is really regrettable. I did not understand how you could get too cool to find money and candy in the grass. That seemed like a real win-win for everyone involved.
0: That's the first time I've ever heard of, of kids not liking Easter egg hunts.
1: Well, they were older, you know, so, I mean, they were, they were like turning into teenagers. I was younger. And so I, you know, was still, I guess, too innocent or naive or childish or something, whatever, but I love them. We keep in touch, you know, but uh, not really. And, and being in a new city, I guess new traditions are being formed. It's, it's kind of fun. Actually, the, the people I live with upstairs, they have four kids and the mom was telling me that the kids still wanted to get dressed up in their Sunday clothes. Oh, that's so, awesome. Even though they weren't going out, there was still something that they wanted. And I think that added something probably to the parents, uh, for the parents as well.
0: Yeah. I definitely was one of those weird people that, that got up and got dressed for Easter. Um, I did not do Easter Sunday service in my pajamas. But I got up and I put on a nice pair of pants and a polo shirt. And I felt like I was doing my part. So,
1: so I put on, you know, my jeans and a button down and my ostrich skin boots. So that was my, <laughs> that was my so dress sexy. up there.
0: So how long, so I'm assuming your church did a, a live stream for Easter.
1: Well, I, I listened to, I would go to Grace downtown, Okay. but I listened to McLean Presbyterian service. So I, I watched it as well. James Forsythe is the pastor and he preached. It was, it was, it was really good. And um, so that, there's my confession.
0: So that's an interesting, that's an interesting question, uh, is sort of church hopping during coronavirus, because that's not the first time I've heard of somebody doing that. There's a lot of people that I know that have sort of used the coronavirus as an opportunity to, quote unquote, attend a service that they would normally not or not have a chance to do. We've had family in Arizona that have started watching the live stream of our church up here in Arlington. So have you jumped into any other churches? Are you, are, you, um, are you virtual church hopping? Wait,
1: yeah, let, let's keep these accusations uh, <laughs> to a minimum, first of all. I have watched the Grace downtown, uh, Grace DC services, and McLean Prez. I also watched, I, I was at, uh, attended PCPC, Park City's Presbyterian in Dallas. So I watched one of their services early on. But those are the only three. So I'm keeping it tight within the PCA. I like you know, that. Not, I know of some people, uh, you know, who are even moving to different denominations. Can you believe it? Oh man, what is, what is happening?
0: (laughs) So I think that today would be interesting to sort of have a conversation about sort of the stuff that we are seeing that churches are doing to serve their members during coronavirus. Uh, There's a lot of different ways that churches have started being creative um, about Christian community uh, in a time of pandemic. Uh, We had on Dr. Peter Yoder last week to sort of discuss uh, some of his thoughts uh, about that and what some lessons from history can teach us about it. But just wanted to sort of open it up to you. What were what are some of the things that you've found to be positive developments that churches have been doing to sort of reach members or, and reach uh, non-believers during, during coronavirus?
1: Well, I, I guess that's a, that's a really good question. I don't know if I uh, have seen a, a ton of new and different things. I did see a tweet where someone said that, Due to all of the streaming and perhaps the increased accessibility of Sunday morning worship, more people would hear the gospel than ever before in human history. Now, I don't know how true that is, if that's actual, not to be cynical, but walking around outside on Easter, see a bunch of people moving around, maybe they were watching the service later, earlier. I kind of have a suspicion that if people weren't going to go to church on Easter Sunday, they probably are not as likely to watch a service on Easter Sunday. So I don't know if that's happening. I would love it. That would be incredible. Um, It is definitely, definitely more accessible and easier to get to. And I think churches who haven't been doing online services are more willing to and have been doing more online services.
0: Yeah. I've noticed that at least in some of the stuff that I've watched, uh, some of the videos and and tweets of churches talking about their their sermons during coronavirus, definitely taking on a little bit more of what I would call an apologetic tone. I think maybe anticipating the fact that there might be more unbelievers in the audience than what they're normally accustomed to, uh, which I think is an interesting, interesting development. Our Easter service, um, which is not, that's not, Incredibly unexpected, uh, you would expect an Easter service to sort of be very forward about a, a clear gospel presentation, uh, but our service was very uh, apologetically focused uh, we were in we were in first Corinthians fifteen and talking about um, if the resurrection didn't happen, how our faith is futile, but that there's hope because it did happen, and sort of going through what that means and the implications of that so I thought that was an interesting uh, thing in coronavirus that pastors are maybe thinking a little bit more about. I may only get one person, uh, one chance at a person during a live stream because the novelty of it has got them here. And so what, how can I make the use of, of the time that I have? I think that's an interesting development for sure.
1: Have, has that been happening on multiple Sundays?
0: Um, not for, for us. us. We we've been finishing up a, a, a series, um, and so we've stayed on track with that. That was one thing I also noticed too, was that, um, some churches, uh, the second that live stream started happening, it seemed that they were like, okay, we're going to ditch whatever we were doing before. Maybe we were going through the book of, of Job and now we're going to go do something completely different. Um, in well, order Job to... seems like a good one to say.
1: <laughs> I know, right? You've <laughs> seen... I don't know if that's an actual real example, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe they got deep enough in the weeds and were like, you know what, let's just <laughs> skip to the end and get the heck out of here and try some. Um,
0: But I've seen people sort of being like, we're going to start a whole new series specifically dedicated to coronavirus. One thing that I've been thankful for my church is that we've sort of kept pushing through with what we were already doing. But I did know that our Easter service was very um, apologetically messaged.
1: Yes. I I remember hearing a story from a pastor where this was an English uh, pastor, and it was the the Sunday after Princess Diana had died, and uh, he chose not to include that in his sermon. And afterwards, a woman came up to him crying, confused at how this message related to the the national tragedy that had just happened. And And the book where I, I read this, uh, the, the point was to say that oftentimes, you know, we can be afraid of too much culturally contextualizing things. But there, when there is something that is so weighty on the culture to not address it at all, leaves people kind of bewildered. And expecting for it to be addressed and when it's not addressed they just kind of lost in the woods and so I, I guess there are different responses people could have to switching to, to series that focus on COVID-19 however it, it is on the forefront of, of all of our minds that I mean it has to be addressed it, it can't be the best yeah. you're doing I don't know
0: yeah I mean it's one of those things right where almost all Messages that at least a huge majority of message of sermons that have been delivered uh, in churches that I've been part of. I mean, what is one of the the central themes of Scripture? Right, is that that so Jesus has come and He has redeemed us, but it's that it's that uh, already but not yet flavor of the New Testament. Right, there's there's still something not right here, and I think that for most times that understanding is less sort of on the forefront of people's minds Uh, maybe maybe it's acute you know you're acutely aware of it based on your own personal circumstances maybe you've recently lost a job or lost a family member or something like that but during the normal course of events pre-COVID-19 maybe that's not sort of at the top of your mind now that seems to be a very relevant thing for everybody right. And so I haven't really noticed any difference in message messages and sermons, but the, the way that they impact, I think folks is very powerful right now during COVID-19 for sure. One thing that's been really interesting I've noticed too, is I think for the few weeks leading up to Easter, there was sort of a novelty about online service and people were sort of much more willing to deal with it. Yeah, there was some this, there was some rumbling about it, but at the end of the day most people recognized that having church in, in person was just out of out of question. And now that we've kind of we're kind of grappling with the fact that we actually did just have an online Easter. That the biggest celebration uh, for Christians happened for most people inside their apartments or their homes without physical contact with their loved ones or their church communities. I think has left people starting to get a little bit more disgruntled and you're starting to see folks opening up more about, I really need to get back into my Christian community. How do we, how do we make this happen as soon as possible? There's been a lot more talk about, especially the sacraments and, and folks desire for, uh, to partake of communion or the number of baptisms that have been held up or even confirmations that have been held up. Um, I
1: saw a picture of, a couple holding their newborn child and a priest across the room with a super soaker,
0: I did see that too yeah no. it 's a real photo, but i don 't think it actually happened. I think it was a joke.
1: I know the photo 's real, but is the event real
0: <laughs> no i don 't think that counts as a real Christian guy
1: hallucinated <laughs> uh, yeah, so so there, this new online question and how do we do the sacraments? can we do the sacraments? There have been some churches I know that are saying we're not going to do them at all. If we can't have the elements blessed by an elder, it's not going to happen. You have others who are saying, you know, we're going to give a pass here and you can do it at home. And then you probably get other churches like, well, we've, we've always had kind of a low view of them anyway. So just go ahead and do what you want to do. That was a little negative, but everyone's having to, to at least come to terms and consider not just leadership, but congregants of, wait, what, what are we doing when we're doing the sacraments and why can they or can't they be done?
0: Yeah. I, I consider myself very blessed that in the middle of this question, this real life question, I am in the just wrapping up finishing sacraments in my seminary coursework. And so it's given me a lot of time to think about it and look at different cases that I've seen churches actually doing and sort of grapple with is does this fit with what I'm learning in class? Does this fit with the, the confessions and the creeds? It's definitely an, an interesting development. We'll have to kind of wait to see what uh, the final ver- verdict is on a lot of stuff. I know people that have done uh, like drive-through communion at their churches. Um, I've seen, and I've seen drive-in church. it
1: seems, seems novel. I, <laughs> you know, I kind of like that in its own way. I don't, I don't know. I, sure there are problems with it but it's
0: it's creative. just a, it's just an interesting development that people are it is a way to fence the table also let me tell you now you can be sure <laughs> move along move along yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um yeah i just i just think it's interesting i've seen a lot of drive-through churches which i think is an interesting idea that
1: did you hear about the church in in louisville kentucky that were being given 500 hundred dollar citations I did. for Gathering in their vehicles. I mean, it's Louisville, Kentucky. That's really not a, it's a pretty conservative place, you know, but does strike me as overreach or, or uh, maybe there's other parts of the story, but that doesn't seem like an appropriate yeah way to respond to that gathering.
0: Well, that's, a, you know, that's a perfect lead in sort of my last thought that it was this is all going to start leading to, I think, massive questions of religious liberty. As churches have to start make you know start making decisions about what they want to do, and state and local leaders will have to uh, make judgment calls as, as well. So, I think we've only barely touched the surface. I know we're like already basically a month in with online services, but I think we've only touched the surface of what is going to happen with all this, uh, the different developments that we're going to see, the new creative ways people will go about doing online church. The one sort of thing that I do think I, my mind is pretty made up on which is that while people are being creative and trying to make the best of what the situation offers, there seems to be a pretty universal agreement that online church is not an adequate substitute for real in life person church. And I think even folks who were more accustomed to doing online streaming before coronavirus, cause let's not kid ourselves. This has existed for for a long time. People have been live streaming church for a long time. But I think that coronavirus has made people realize that there is an element of physical gathering, of of community at church that people really want and need for spiritual nourishment. And I think that not as some of the, the skeptics have said, which is, look, online church is going to replace churches and church going to go under because they can't get enough people in their seats. I, I, I think it's going to be the complete opposite. I think people are going to realize that even if they just started going to church online, they go, okay, now I want to see this thing in real life.
1: That has been a fear. There have been people who have expressed concern that the comfortability of being able to be at home is going to end up replacing going to church on Sundays. I don't see that happening. I think it maybe will continue for people who are already at home. However, people are spending so much time at home. They are, they want to get out. And I think a lot of it falls on the shoulders of the leadership. And if the leadership is saying, Hey, this is, these are extenuating cir- circumstances. We are at a time of crisis and we believe that the word of God needs to be continued to be delivered to our people in new circumstances as they are arising. And that is why we're doing this. Not because we don't care about gathering in person, and I think that's the message of most churches that you and I are aware of, that we know this is not, hey, we have a new business model, quote unquote, to to help our church grow in numbers. It's like, no, this is an unfortunate, tragic situation. And we are going to make the most out of it and continue to care for our people by feeding them with God's word through through Sunday morning worship. And as soon as it is available for people to gather back together, I think the vast majority of churches will say, hey, let's get, let's get things going uh, back to how they were and not continue this online. And I don't know if people have, I don't know, I, I will say I did see a tweet from Stephen Colbert and he was like, kind of enjoying doing mass in my pajamas. So I, I don't know if, if it's, it's Colbert, so who knows how serious to take it. But um, I know there are different sides here, but I, I don't think it will have, have the, as negative of effect as people are concerned about. I mean, there's a general longing, I think, for people to be together. And, you know, at the end of the traditional Jewish Seder, the the phrase is next year in Jerusalem. And it is a phrase of hope that maybe next year we will be able to celebrate this feast in the city of David. So this Easter where we are not able to be together and this Easter week, which the party continues to go on, that we can hope in our hearts of maybe next year. We'll be able to be with each other, if not in the new heavens and new earth, but at the very least, in each other's presence again.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's also a lesson to apply uh, each Sunday as we end services in sort of that that benediction period of uh, reminding people that in in their prayers, as we pray for relief from this virus and from this pandemic, that God can do anything, and as we pray for a cure we can continue to pray hopefully next week. Um, and we just keep praying that I think it would be wonderful. A great apologetic moment, a great moment for Christian community. If whenever we do figure out when that Sunday is that we know churches will be back and open of really making a day of, of celebration of it. Uh, I'd like to see potlucks all across the Washington DC area. And Gosh, I missed potlucks I Right?
1: Those from the kid. Oh
0: man. And just let people, and like a lot of congregations and communities overlapping with one another and participating with each other and really making it a day of celebration because I do think that you're right. There is a desire to be together again. And we know that that day is coming and there's hope for that day. Well, great. We're about out of time, so we're going to wrap up. As always, thank you for listening to the Will and Rob Show. You can follow us on Twitter at RD Hassler and Stockdale Will. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Make sure to visit ministrytostate.org, and we will see you all next week.